0: Welcome to Unplug It. as the Saints head towards a crucial fortnight, obviously coming off the bye. We take part in Thursday night football against another modern bogey side in Sydney, although it doesn't necessarily feel like a bogey side. It's just generally been that for a decade or so they've been a lot better than us. It doesn't feel like there have been too many missed opportunities so much in that run as we haven't been in their league. But we should be now, obviously, having – come off a, a strong first half of the year with a disappointing back end of that uh, of that opening period and obviously Sydney have struggled over the course of the season. They've won their last couple but not necessarily in the most convincing of fashions even if the Carlton win was pretty good. Good to be on the Thursday night lights. Obviously a big opportunity for the club. It does have the potential to completely fuck you Friday but um, we'll wait and see how that does unfold. Um, thank you for those that jumped on last week's episode with Brian Waldron and for participating in our mid season review and as we always do, we'd love to uh, ask you to give us a review or, or a rating on whatever your podcast platform is. So, a big thank you to the hashtag Saints Footy community. Uh, jump on board, and you can follow us on our socials: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. And H, it's an interesting one. We're seven and four. We're, we're still fifth. We haven't won a game in two weeks, but we haven't actually moved. Obviously, the Bulldogs getting beaten last week. Adelaide getting beaten last week. Um, obviously, Essendon didn't get the percentage boost enough to go above us, so we stay where we are. It would have been nice if North had a beat Essendon, because that would have been Essendon's uh, loss to Hawthorne that we had, which would have squared that up a little bit, but such is life.
1: Yeah, it seems to be all the results just about have gone the way we needed them to, except their own. So, that's... Yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting after that Siren went against Hawthorne to be coming back just before we start again, still sitting fifth on the ladder. It's That's quite ridiculous how that has happened um it's just a complete stroke of luck on our side that we can still be in that situation um but as as a few have mentioned though hopefully that could be the curse of the 8-3 has been lifted and we don't have to deal with it this year and um I reckon Damien Barrett was sitting on that article for the entire season after we won the first couple of games to say oh yeah the, they're not 8-3 and 7-4, so write them off and that sort of thing. But, yeah, it's it's fifth. That, and that's and that's how we've got to look at it. We're, we're, we're still fifth on the ladder, and we're playing a team who is sitting outside, a few games behind us, haven't been playing their best football, missing a number of their players. It's a, it's a big opportunity to actually go somewhere where we've been struggling over the years and... Yeah, actually get it, get the season back on track again. So, um, yeah, we've got a couple of games to catch up to the teams in front of us now. So we we need to keep pace because the teams behind us, are I mean, they're all winning every second week at the moment, it seems. So they're, getting, they're going to come for us eventually. Well,
0: Nick, it's a bit of a different edition this week. As we said, obviously, normally we'd be wrapping a game. We, we've already done that. But how do you feel, I guess, with the benefit of another, well, it's not quite seven days, it's four or five, uh, reflecting on where we're at, but also how you feel about the bye week. I'm i am someone who obviously loves to have footy keep on rolling, but at the same time, it's pretty obvious we needed it.
2: 100%. I mean, like you, I, I love watching footy. I watch most games most weeks. Um, because I love footy and and obviously love our footy club, um, and so in that regard, you know, you, you want to watch them every week. You know, during the season, you want to see your team play every week. Uh, but you know, I, I do like I do like the bye week now. I think it's it's different. You've still got you've still got plenty of footy on. Um, our team happens to be one of the few that has the, the week off this week or well, last week, I should say. But um, yeah, I think for a lot of reasons, it, it's been good. You know, personally, it's it's always nice. I think now. Yeah, you know, we're kind of in that in that age bracket with young kids, and you know other obligations and, and those sorts of things that we've got to be accountable for. So in that regard, it, it does make it a little bit easier to have have the the weekend off uh, from a personal perspective, but from a footy perspective, you know I, it, it did look like we were cooked. We we spoke last week um, in the the review episode about how they looked cooked and um, potential you know training loads and and all that sort of stuff that they'd been working through and um, a, a bunch of different things, and and I think that. Yeah, you know, oftentimes we we get to this point in the season and they have a break, and you go, oh, you know, momentum, and you know, we want them to keep going, and and you know, maybe it will hurt them more than it can help them. Uh, but I think in this in this regard, it was pretty clear that they've been pr- playing some pretty average footy for about five or six weeks, um, got away with a few, uh, and, and clearly, you know, it kind of all came to a head. Uh, a week and a half ago against the Hawks. And and yeah, at that point, I think it was pretty clear to just about everyone that they needed a week off and this is a really good opportunity to, to reset. Um, and, and I think now we get that chance. We, we get to come back against what is, even though they're underperforming, they're still a pretty good team. They've got a bunch of good players. They're, they're a talented squad. Um, it, it's now resetting and let's see where we're at against a team that, you know, by all, all regards, looking at ladder positions, we should beat them. But they're a pretty good team. They're a pretty good team. And we're, we're going to get a, a better idea now, having had the week off, having been able to reset and, and get some rest and, and you know, relaxation and, and all those sorts of things into the group. We're going to see where we're at. And I think this is going to be a good indicator over the next couple of weeks against some pretty good teams. Yeah, we're going to sink
0: our teeth into that Sydney game shortly. We are continuing with the special guest. It's always great to catch up with some former Saints, past, and uh, some more present. And one of those that was a part of our great sides in the 2008, 9, 10, 11 period was James Gwilt.
3: It's still alive. Great by Mill. Mill
0: to Montagna. Got it back again. Inside 50. Shanks the kick.
3: Gwilt pounces. And the Papua New Guinean kicks it into the goal square, and he's nailed the goal. His first in league football, and what a time to score!
4: Can't break free there, McLeod.
3: Steal by Del Santo. This is dangerous for Adelaide. Revolt
4: now on the impossible angle, and Wilt can go back and line up his second goal. Wilt's come onto the field only a couple of minutes ago as a midfielder and he is just not getting the respect that he deserved for a 21 point lead he's a left footer
3: and he curls it in beautifully he has his second
0: well, our next guest played 126 games with the Saints, was a part of the 2010 Grand Finals. Sides played 26 games that year, finished eighth in the best and fairest. Second player recruited from Papua New Guinea to play in the AFL or from Papua New Guinean descent, Mel Michael obviously being the first and obviously travelled an unusual route into the AFL via Noble Park rather than the conventional TAC Cup system. We'll talk about all of that. He burst onto the scene in a big way at late 05, I Of James Gwilt. Uh, James, thanks very much for joining us.
4: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: I'll start off with the recruiting part of it. Obviously, taken from Noble Park, I understand you were the first player taken from a suburban league in five years, so outside of the TAC Cup. How did that sort of come about? How did you get across St Kilda's radar in that 2004 year?
3: Uh,
4: Yeah, so a bit of an unusual um, path, I guess, to obviously the the TAC Cup. I played uh, sort of under 16s onwards, I was playing at Noble Park. Um, Under 17s, I played in Noble Park's under 18 team. And then when I was sort of 17 and a half, going to top age 18, I played in the seniors um, and had a pretty good year. Uh, We ended up winning the grand final in 2004. And... Yeah, I sort of uh, sparked a bit of interest, I guess, from the, the final series. And um, yeah, I guess playing as an underage player for a senior side. Um, Noble Park was, was uh, won the premiership in 2003. So we're going for back-to-backs, which was um, an amazing experience. So uh, yeah, just sparked a bit of interest there. And actually signed up uh, through the draft with uh, Wayne Hughes, who was at Carlton. So I originally thought I was going to get bookie listed at Carlton. Um, but yeah, I'd spoken to Johnny Johnny Beveridge um, probably a month before the draft, and uh, yeah, I, I thought my chances were probably yeah Carlton in the rookie draft.
1: So it was probably a, probably a pretty good place for recruiters to go looking because at Noble Park, at the league they're in and all that can be a, it can be a pretty rough and tumble league, and you just got to look back to the fact that previous draftee from there is Glen Archer, and that <laughs> how is the I guess playing that senior football at, at a young age.
3: Uh,
4: yeah, no, I, I found it I found it pretty good. Um, we had a we had a pretty good side. So we had a, a fair influx of uh, players from um, from the late nineties, early two thousands, when they won a few premierships there. Um, so we had, you know, uh, Dennis Knight was my captain coach, um, Stuart Nagel, uh, Dennis uh, Dennis Knight, uh, Daniel Donati, Peter O'Brien, a lot of guys that had played um, a lot of premiers, uh, football at VFL level, um, some guys at AFL level. But, um, yeah, we had a really good side, and um, I, I, I learned a lot from those guys because they'd obviously played at a uh, higher standard than, than myself.
2: James, you made your debut in late 05, as as Darren said at the top. What was that like? I mean, coming in from that, um, local footy environment, and yep. then uh, I guess same year coming into into a senior AFL team and, and playing senior footy, uh, you know, just on on the cusp of, of finals, then playing finals footy. What was the, the difference like for you?
4: Um, well, the build-up was a yeah, it was it was a unusual year for me. Like I I, I learnt. I guess I had a lot to learn um, coming from uh, a local system. Um, even though I thought my training standards were, were pretty good um, as a baseline, I had a lot to learn. Um, but, yeah, I, I got that uh, chance uh, last game of the year against Brisbane at Etihad. Um, I think I, well, I played half forward. I, I did okay. I think I played my role. But um, I think I was just lucky that I had a couple of injuries to – some key guys, and yeah, I got that another chance against Adelaide, and sort of uh, we had a uh, pretty good game against Adelaide. I remember halves played uh, an amazing game. It was a pretty good experience playing over uh, Adelaide. Oh, sorry, Adelaide Oval. At, um, uh, what was the I mean, what
3: was I mean, the oval I mean, called back then? Pretty I mean, Park.
4: Park yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, the crowd was just um, insane, um, feral
3: almost, <laughs>
4: um, but. Uh yeah it was it was it was a pretty good experience um, and it was great to win like it was it was such a tight game i think i played uh yeah half forward i think i played uh, ben hart might have played on me so that was yeah i was just pinching myself from you know coming kind of like a adelaide great Coming to play on me, it was pretty pretty special.
2: Just just before one of the other boys jumps in, I just wanted to to jump in and thank you because I reckon that was one of my favourite days in footy. Um, yeah, I'd travel got the, got the train over to Adelaide with a bunch of guys and and watched the game, and it was just one of the, the most amazing nights of footy that I've ever been to, that I've ever been involved in. So I just wanted to say thank you to you because you were a massive part in that in that third quarter. So thanks for that, mate. Really appreciate it.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, I, like I, I I tried my best. It was. Um... I was definitely nervous. Um, I, that was probably the most nervous I'd ever been in my, my sporting career, um, especially because you know we're playing at a, such a oh, the, just. The, I, I can't uh, explain how how feral the crowd was. It was just, yeah, it was incredible. <laughs>
0: See, obviously, you kicked a scrambled goal out of a pack and then you flushed a beautiful set shot from about 50 about a minute later and that broke the game open. Yeah. In the last quarter, you actually kicked a crucial point that put us seven or eight points up, which which wrapped up the game. How much does it do for your confidence in a low-scoring, tight game, a huge final, as you say, Ferrell puts the team into a prelim to have that big an impact that early in your career in, in what was probably St Kilda's best win of that decade in, in many respects?
4: Yeah, just... Uh just a surreal experience. Like the the game just went in a blink of an eye. Like, um, so remember, obviously getting the plane over and then the build up, and um, I think it was it was a bit wet um, that day. So like the lead up to the to the game it was a very long day for me because I'd never really played a night game before, um, I learned my first one. Um, so yeah, it was just a massive build up. Um, obviously, first final, um, first AFL final, anyway. Um, I think probably uh, what held me in good stead was probably playing those uh, two finals the year before in the seniors, so that played a semi, a prelim and a grand final. Um, and I think um, just just wanting to play as best as I could in the finals because I think that's what um, people remember you for, is playing um, in, on a big stage. Um, that's what people remember, so that's what I always thought coming into the game. I just wanted to play my role and play as best as I could.
1: So thinking about that, playing the role, uh, what was the lead up to playing that first game? Because you would have been playing down at Casey before that. Um, I'm pretty sure we're still in line with Casey then. Weren't we? Yeah, it was Springvale um, yeah, yeah, back so, then.
4: Yeah,
1: Or Springvale, yeah. yeah. Um, what were the roles you were given there? And was there a particular role that the club may have actually asked you to sort of, I guess, adapt? And then they brought you in for that particular reason? or Because it coming so in so late in the year it would seem it would be a particular reason they would want you in there
2: for something?
4: Uh, I, th- I think because um, Sammy Hamill was injured. So they needed a half forward. Um, I was playing sort of that half forward, a little bit of wing at Springvale. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, Tomo took took a chance on me and um, yeah, I was pretty thrilled with it. Um, I didn't really expect it because I probably, you know, to be honest, I probably wasn't playing that great at Springvale. Um but I think they just needed that half forward, um, sort of defensive forward. And uh, yeah, just Tomo took a chance for me and I'm forever grateful for that.
2: Walking into that into that locker room, I guess, and you've got, you know, Robert Harvey who, while it was ten years or, or thereabouts off his kind of Brownlow peak, um, was still playing some pretty good footy as we saw in that Adelaide Adelaide final. You've got Nick Rewald, you've got Lenny Hayes, um a bunch of Aaron Hamill, Fraser Gehrig off off a ton the previous year. What's it like coming in from I guess that mm-hmm. that uh, Noble Park environment into into that dressing room into that change room? Uh,
4: yeah, I just I just remember the first couple of weeks I was like, oh, how am I here? Like like I don't deserve to be here. Like I'm walking through every morning and seeing Ozzy Jones, Milne, um, Fraser, Stevie Powell, um, Bakes, Lenny. Um. Yeah, it was just oh, a big cozy, really. It was, you know, like even coaches like Terry had Terry Danaher there and and Tomo. Um, I just yeah, the first first couple of months was just like, oh my god, like what am I doing? Like, I, there's no, I'm not good enough. Like, I was just doubting myself every day that I walked in because I'd seen what they'd done in their careers. But um, yeah, like they were they were lovely guys. Um, great to. Um, you know, be a part of, um, they, they trained really hard, so um, yeah, like, yeah, a lot of self-doubt early, but uh, once you get into it, yeah, the, the banter, and you just feel a part of it, once your first couple of weeks, and you train hard, and yeah, you're accepted.
3: Yeah, out of the
0: side through 06 and 07, 08, you played mostly through the back half of the year, 13 games and another final series. Uh, can you compare 08 to 09? You played 13 games in 08, 15 in 09, but obviously 08, you were a part of the finals run, played well again against Collingwood in the semi, but 09 obviously not being a part of what was a, a bold run towards a flag. Can you take us through those two seasons?
4: Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, 08, uh, I think that was Rossi's second year um, into it. Um, Learned a lot from Rossi. Um, He was very, very meticulous with his preparation um, and training standards. Um, That's one thing that I improved on a lot, I think, in those couple of years and still needed to further improve on. Um, But yeah, 08, uh, I was playing sort of, forward and back, sort of swapping. Um, I had a little bit of... uh, I was was probably carrying a bit of OP probably throughout that whole year. I ended up getting um, uh, an adductor release at the end of the year. So that sort of hampered me a little bit in 2008. I was just carrying it the whole year. Um, 2009, um, had a really good pre-season. I think I played the first maybe... 11 or 12 games, I reckon, for the year. But I was more sort of that defensive forward, half forward. Um, and then, yeah, got dropped. And then I don't reckon I made it back into the side. And, yeah, we ended up going on that massive run of uh, winning games. And then uh, obviously played that. Well, I didn't miss out on the final series. But, yeah, that was 0-9. We, we, you know, that was down to a kick again. We should have won that one. But, yeah. Um, yeah, again, just, just being around such a um, classy environment, um, just seeing the boys go about it every week, um, getting to games, knowing that you, we were just going to win. It was a pretty pretty surreal um, feeling to just know that you just get to the game. Yep, I'm going to play my role. I trust my teammates are going to play their role and we're just going to win. It didn't. just didn't matter who we played. Um, that's how, uh, just the vibe was just, yeah, it was amazing.
1: Now, just going back just slightly, the, the transition from GT to Rossi, how did you find that yourself? And how did you feel the, the group transitioned between the two? Was there, did, did you find it easy or did Ross just bring in a completely different, I guess, structure and plan and everything to what GT had?
4: Uh, yeah, well, well, Tomo, you know, he was, he was, um, I think he molded the the guys that initially got there. Like obviously, the Ruys, Joey's, uh, Lenny's, um, Cosy's. You know, he, he he really mentored them and and taught them. Um, I guess how to how to play, how to train, how to be good humans. Um, so they already had that uh, that base there. Plus they're obviously highly talented. But then Rossi, Rossi I reckon just just. Um, finished off what was already a good base, I reckon. Like, he had such a good defensive structure that he bought with our press. Um, I remember, you know, practicing the press um, every training session, which we, you know, we hadn't really done before with Tomo. Um, and, you know, coming coming out in 07, we, I think we just missed out on finals 2008, 09, 010. You, you could just see... How opposition teams could hardly score against us because you know when we were when we were all pressing and, and playing that 18 man zone, uh, it was very hard to score against.
2: Talking about that transition. I guess it it, it was difficult to watch for a period as as fans. That 07 period, uh, Ross's first year at the club was difficult to watch and and I guess to understand what he was trying to do. As players, I guess what clicked. You're know, part of the way, halfway through 08, and kind of went on on a little bit of that run in the second half of the year. Uh, obviously, playoff in a in a prelim, um, lose to the premiers again. Um, what I guess what was it that clicked within the yep. playing group that made them that made you guys understand? I guess what he was asking of you.
4: Oh, I think we all, we always knew we had the the talent, and I think the belief was always there. Um, yeah, I just think just that we just I just think we just kept improving year by year. Like obviously, you know, it was probably maybe a bit hard to watch. Um, Spectator-wise, 07, maybe a little bit of 08. But I reckon, yeah, sort of after um, halfway through sort of 08, I reckon, yeah, I don't think there was a specific moment where something clicked. I think we just – we always knew that we were going to get there. Like, it was like very rarely do you see teams go out and win one or get to a grand final, you know, with a new coach within one or two years. It would just, you know, it happened, what, 04, with that sort of group, prelim, 05. That was a prelim. Oh six. What was that elimination final? I think. Oh seven missed out. 08, prelim. Oh nine, granny and um, ten granny. Um, I think eleven we played in the semi or uh, elimination final against Sydney. I think. Um, but yeah, like it was. Yeah, not, no real um, specific time, but I, I just knew that we, you know, we we were we were nearly there, um, and you know. Probably should have won
0: two. Yeah, well, career best season for you in 2010. Obviously, another one we, sh- we should have won. You you were excellent in both of those grand finals, the draw and the, the replay. Played every game, top 10 BNF, over 500 possessions for the year. Can you take us through your adapting to life as a defender? And obviously, you took to that really quickly and, and basically became that for the rest of your time in the game.
4: Yeah, I, I'd sort of tinkered with it. Um, I sort of 08, 09. I was sort of... Um, floating between defense and attack. Um, and then, yeah, 2010, that sort of pre-season, um, I had a really good off-season again um, and built my base um, and got back got back to training first day, feeling really, really good. Um, I think I did a lot more than I did 2009 because I just wanted to, um, I didn't want to miss out just you know, because I thought you know we were we had the potential in the side to to go again, um, and I just didn't want to miss out on on potentially being a Premiership player. So I just did um, did as much as I could in the off season um, to build that base, and then come in 2010 preseason um, in the best as I could, which which I did, um, and obviously started off with the. Uh, Pre-season games. I think we played Sydney, Frio, and uh, someone else, but I think I played pretty well, um, playing sort of that third tall back, and yeah, managed to keep my spot. And um, yeah, I think we played first game Sydney up in up at Sydney at ANZ. and I think I played on, I have played on Goodsy maybe. So, and I did alright. And yeah, that, that was just my my focus, getting every game. Rossi would give me a match up, and I just want to nail it and yeah, just keep continuing on like that, which I think I did for most of the year. Now, are you someone that
1: looks back on those years and sort of think there there was something there that maybe you you had done something different at some point or uh, told someone else to do something different to what they did or just just changed one thing? Do you think what could have been different?
4: Uh, What, to win a premiership?
1: Or just to, yeah, basically you could either to win the premiership to just Uh, just something that would have changed the season, that would
4: have put it in our favour. well, you can, you can probably you – know, every every player's got a moment in the grand final that they wish they could have done better or a passing or fleeting moment where you maybe well, – for me, it was probably um, letting Travis Cloak goal side in maybe the third or start of the fourth quarter. Um, I remembered I was absolutely knackered. Um, in the, this was in the first um, – grand final in 2010 and um yeah cloaky had done a big 50 meter lead up to sort of like the wing area and um he'd sort of done a bit of a turn and uh i was probably like half a meter off and i just didn't check him like you should sort of check him just to make sure he doesn't get goal side of you which he did and he ended up kicking a goal in the goal square um just it just bubbled out and he was there before me and that was probably one moment where i just thought you know i could have I probably could have done better. Um, did that cost us? I'm not sure. But every, I think every player's got that little moment where they could have done done something better. Unfortunately, that's footy.
2: We've had a few of, of that team, I guess, on, on the show in recent years, all, all with kind of similar but different, I, I guess, moments of, of thought or, or whatever, understanding the moment of the siren in the draw. What goes through your mind in, in that moment?
4: Um... I was completely exhausted. I could hardly talk. um, And I didn't know how I was going to do that again. So I was shattered.
0: (laughs) Going to say the reality is that I don't speak to a lot of people that were in St Kilda's rooms half time of the replay. Were we absolutely cooked? Because the perception was that we were shot to bits uh, when it came to that replay because of the gut busting effort the week before.
4: Um,. Yeah, prob- probably. Yeah, a few of the boys were, were cooked. Um, you know, losing losing Big Guardian in the ruck hurt as well. Who um, did his hammy? Uh, yeah, yeah. That you know, with with that without blokes openly talking about it, maybe you could sense a little bit that people were were a bit gassed. I know I definitely was. It was it was a very hard week to get back up, get yourself up mentally and physically for the for you know. Um, That maximal effort again. It was yeah, mentally and physically draining. Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, So going into two thousand and eleven, was there still the thought there that we still have another crack at that elusive premiership this year again? It it was obviously didn't um, work out as well. We bit a bit of a slow start. We had a draw early in the season. A couple of losses, so was a close loss in um, round one to Geelong. Um, mm-hmm. So it wasn't a great start. Was the, was the thought still there that, look, we, we can still get a lot better and we can still push for this this year? And was the belief still there or not?
4: Yeah, I think the belief was still there. I think a few of the boys were... Um... Not, not mentally scarred, but it was just it was a hard thing to to get over and process. I think it took it took um, you know it took, it took me probably a couple of months to, to process the the loss because you put so much um, time and effort into you know the you know trying to give yourself the best chance and and getting there and uh, you know running short by you know, a kick, um, it's pretty devastating because you almost think that you'll you'll never get back there again. So, um, you know, putting, I think our pre-season was okay. Um, I think I'm just trying to think about, um, even in terms of the time trials. Yeah, the boys boys came back in okay, Nick. Um, But as you said, I think just uh, we're, we're a little bit off um, those first three or four rounds um, that put us on the back foot a little bit, and then I think that's when that sort of self self doubt sort of creeps in a little bit. When once you lose a couple, um, especially early in the season, you're, you're on the back foot straight away. But uh, we always knew we had the we had the group and the talent there. Um, yeah, we just need to string a few wins on, which we did. And I, I think we played um, Sydney. I reckon Eddie had. But um, I didn't play because I, I hurt my knee. I think in round seventeen or eighteen, I think I, I had a yeah I did my did my knee, so I ended up having a, a knee reconstruction. So I missed out on the finals.
2: Obviously, Ross ended up leaving at the end of that season. Um, did he? I mean, did his mentality, his persona, or, or perspective outwardly did did that change for you as a playing group? Could you see? I guess kind of the the struggles that he was facing through the the second half of that season?
4: Uh, Me, not me personally, no, no, no. I was, you know, I was pretty blindsided by his decision. Um, Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was a a bit of a shock to me. Um, Maybe some of the other senior guys might have known a little bit more that what was going on sort of back half the year. But yeah, to me, I was... um, yeah, pretty devastated that he'd made that decision, but um, yeah, it was a, a bit of a challenging time because I was, you know, post post knee reconstruction, and um, Rossi had obviously decided to move to the free So it was a it was an interesting um, back half the year, end of the year, twenty eleven.
0: So, obviously, over the the next few years, we would lose Goddard, Del Sano, then Mill, and Blake would retire. Uh, big changes at the club, obviously, through that period. Uh, there'd be some struggles under Scott Waters and then, obviously, first year, Alan Richardson. You had a pretty reasonable year in, in 2014. At what point did it become... Or at what point was it communicated to you that that would be your last year with at the Saints, and and was it a shock, or could you see it coming?
4: Uh, no, I could I could see it coming sort of back half of the year. Um, like my form was, you know, I was playing all right, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I could just I could just tell um, the tell that the club was moving in a different direction, um, and Richo spoke to me before the last game against Adelaide. Um, you know, he just pulled me into the office on I think it was on the Wednesday or Thursday before the game, um, and just said, "Yeah, this is going to be my last game uh, for the Saints," which I've you know I sort of I sort of half knew anyway. Um, and Lenny was retiring, so yeah, I didn't really want to make a big deal of uh, telling anyone because obviously you know, Lenny's a champion of the club, so I didn't want to take anything. Um, away from his special day, so I, I think only you know my parents and a couple of friends knew, um, and my wife. So uh, yeah, it was a was a an interesting uh, lead up, and I, yeah, I didn't obviously uh, going into the game. I thought maybe this was going to be my last ever AFL game, so I just wanted to make the most of it. Um, yeah, it was it was hard to. Well, for me, it was hard to get in the game because I was just thinking of all these different thoughts about what I was going to be doing next year. Am I going to be doing uh, an apprenticeship or yeah? It was just a it was a weird it was a weird day. Um, got through the game and yeah, like Chad obviously good to chair Lenny off. Um, great to play in his you know, farewell game, last game um, ever because um, he's been a champion of the club. Um, yeah, so yeah, interesting, interesting last game. Um, I think Clint Jones played his last game too for for the club as well. So both of us knew that you know we were playing our last games. We just didn't really want, want to tell anyone.
1: Thinking of last year, last win came against Fremantle, came against Ross. It, it was quite an enjoyable night at Marvel. Everyone, it almost felt like we were. I mean, they've come off the back of a grand final performance. We're sitting right at the bottom of the table. It almost tables almost turned that night it was quite enjoyable and did we seem to maybe lift against Ross in just those couple of years after he had left that it just it just seemed to be Fremantle would be a team we would I guess knock off at times or the last round of 13 that game in 14 it just seemed to be a game we were lifting for at that point
4: yeah it it was a bit strange wasn't it um yeah, like even even when we weren't really going too well at all, we'd always seem to lift against yeah against Freo. or yeah maybe maybe Rossi just told him not to uh, play too well. I don't know, like because he I think he dropped a few guys or he kept two out thirteen I reckon for mm. um, Blakey and Cozzy's last game. Yeah, at at
2: what point I guess you mentioned go, heading into that game thinking it's probably going to be your last game of, of AFL forty and wondering what you're going to be doing after that at at what point in the following few months um i guess did you first hear from essendon and and how did that um how did that move transpire uh
4: yeah it was it was within like the was in a within a month um sort of october mid-october late october um yeah i had a meeting with uh yeah adrian dodoro and and hurdy um I know, who else did I meet with. I met with Melbourne uh, when Roosie was there. Um, so had a meeting with them and actually had a meeting with um, GWS too. Um, but it was, I think it was going to, logistically it was going to be a little bit hard to go up to GWS just for, I was only going to get maybe a one or maybe two year deal. Um, so I think it was, yeah, going to be a, a little bit hard just for where I was at, where my wife was at with her work. So, um, yeah, Essendon was, uh, yeah, I, I thought their list was, you know, because they, they'd come over the, they'd come through the, the, the saga um, with that group of boys that were still pretty talented. They had a pretty good list. Um, and obviously the connection with BJ that was there as well, um, which made it a little bit of an easier transition.
3: And then
0: obviously it got a little bit tricky from from there, but uh, one hundred and fifty two games in all, one hundred and twenty six with the, the Saints, twenty six with the Bombers. Uh, what are you up to these days? I understand you've got a business and also um, doing a bit of work with Roeville in some local footy. Yes,
4: yeah, so I've uh, got my own, uh, electrical business, Jay Gwilt Electrical, um, doing everything so commercial, you know, industrial, domestic stuff. Um, so yeah, flat out with that. Um, and, yeah, assistant coaching at Royal. So I've been at Royal for seven years Um So i there for a couple of years um, after I finished and then I was playing assistant and then I've just stayed on as, as an assistant coach. The um, footy's good. I'm still enjoying being around the footy environment. Um, we are third at the moment. We lost the grand final last year to my old side, Noble Park, actually, which was... Um, yeah a bit a bit surreal and different but um yeah it was, it was a good experience for the boys to get there um and hopefully you know we can go one better this year
1: now to finish up um as the club's celebrating 150 years this year uh we've asked everyone this year um yourself as a segura player what is the segura football club is a, a, a moment that you've had or a something at the club or someone or just what is the St Kilda Football Club to you?
4: Yeah, obviously they, they gave me an opportunity to um, to start my AFL journey. Um, and, you know, I think looking back now, if I didn't get that opportunity, um, how different my, my life would be. And, you know, I got to play um, with the likes of Robert Harvey, Justin Peckett, um, Fraser Garrick, Stephen Powell, um, Stephen Baker, Stephen Mill, Lenny Hayes, Nick Rewalt, Mr. um, you know, all these pretty Austin Jones, all these special players that, you know, yeah, obviously if they, if they hadn't given me the opportunity, then yeah, it'd be, it'd be a very different life for me. Um, obviously coming from, from Noble Park, um, yeah, I struggle to think what I'd be doing, um, to be honest. Um, you know, to, to get opportunities and, um, I guess, learn all these different um, things from the footy footy boys um, and from the footy club about, you know, being disciplined and, and respect and, and hard work and professionalism, all this stuff that transfers across to your everyday life now. Like, oh, there's no way I'd, I'd be this person um, that I am now if I wasn't, if I hadn't had the opportunity through uh, you know Johnny Johnny Beveridge taking that chance with me. so um, yeah, and obviously playing with all these special players, special grounds playing at the G that I you know I'd gone to, you know I was a Richmond supporter growing up, so I you know I used to go to the G every second Saturday with dad um, and then to play on the MCG, especially um, I remember my first game against Richmond at the MCg, that was that was pretty special. Um, cause I, you know, I'd idolized Rich when growing up playing, um, you know, growing up, going to the MCG and now I was, I was suddenly playing there and I think I was playing, you know, a few games when Richard was playing. So it was just, yeah, it was very surreal, um, playing on someone like that who was my idol. Um, yeah, I just had to pinch myself.
0: Well, James, uh, we appreciate you jumping on and joining us uh, this week and for all of your contribution for for some of St Kilda's finest moments through that Ross Lyon era, you were front and centre and uh, even obviously in that Grant Thomas era as well. You had a unique perspective on a lot of those and and played very well in so many big games for the club and and thanks very much for joining us and we we wish you well with uh, your boys at Roeville and hopefully, as you say, they can go one better.
4: Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: James Gwilt there. We look ahead to Sydney. We're seven and four, as we said. um, Obviously, having lost uh, four of our last seven, having won the first four, and Sydney, five and six. They lost four in a row. Before winning their last two, obviously, they had the fluke win against North Melbourne via that interchange infringement and then beat a a severely battling Carlton. They're two and three at home this year. They've beaten Hawthorne and Carlton, which obviously isn't huge. They lost to Port Adelaide, GWS and Fremantle. Obviously, the Port and, and GWS losses were by a kick, but they've had a shocking run of injuries, which we'll touch on in a moment. But one thing I did find interesting is we haven't beaten Sydney at the SCG since 2009, and doesn't surprise too much but then I looked into it and we've won a game at every major interstate venue at least twice since then so Optus Stadium, uh, Adelaide Oval, even Football Park, the Gabba, Metricon, uh, all of those venues even Tassie and other you know some of the more quirky venues so yeah it hasn't been a a happy hunting ground for us but yeah it is set up nick i think this time for us to you know put our best foot forward we'll go through their outs a little bit later on but um yeah there's an opportunity for us to to basically show the competition that yeah look that wasn't a fluke early in the year and we're rested up and ready to go again
2: spot on i think it's the perfect opportunity i think now from from a public perspective you know pressure is low um everyone's seen us play over the last month or so and and they've kind of seen us regress from from where we were in the first month uh and yeah i think people are expecting that we'll probably get beaten this week and and potentially that's a good place for us to be we've heard you know all season from ross and and the the group about the year of exploration and the journey and you know the, the test and learn and all that type of stuff um and potentially to come into a game underdogs uh, even if they are missing some players, you know, I think is, is potentially good for us. It takes that pressure off, um, and they can just go and play footy again. And, and like we said uh, earlier, you know, having the week off and being able to reset and, and all that type of stuff is is a good spot for us to be in. Uh, and you know, you, you you hit the nail on the head that, that we haven't played well in Sydney for for a long time at the SCG. Um, and yeah, you know, this is it's a perfect opportunity to to do that now. Yeah, I think. The one thing I think we have to do
1: first, foremost, before everything, is be party poopers. We're, we're buddy, buddy. We have got to stop him. We we can't let him <laughs> take over. Because uh, that, I mean, that's what he does in a lot of in his big games. He makes the game his game. Cal needs needs to stick his leg down his sock and make him yeah run around the three legged race and make it hard for him. Make him. Yeah, just just don't let him get away. Don't let him, don't let him get that sniff. And I mean, th- there you go. There, there's the first bit because the city players will be looking for him as well. They'll be looking to get him into the game. They'll be looking to k- kick the ball to him and get him kicking five goals. So there, there, there's the mindset straight away in the game. They want him to have a big game, and we're going to stop him. So uh, that's the that's our first step to getting it there, and then. Yeah, the one who's probably going to be causing a lot of issue getting it to him is Blakey, we've seen running out of the back line every week. He's the run he provides out of that back line is phenomenal. He's one of the best running defenders in the game. And if we don't give him the space just to pull, pull through the middle, because I mean the SEG, I mean, it's, it, it's not as small as it used to be. Obviously, they've they've had a bit of a little bit of an expansion. The ground is a bit bigger. It's still not the longest ground, but it take you can kick it from your defensive fifty into a dangerous position position inside your own fifty, and that's what he'll do. He'll run twenty and kick at fifty, and all of a sudden they they've got a kick right in front of goal. So. They're the kind of things we're going to have to stop because if we let him get away and they get away early, it's not going to be a it's going to be a bit of an ugly night and we're not going to get back into it if we don't stay with them early or or at least take control of the game. So there's a few things we really have to watch. Um, there's the same way they're, they're missing players, but they cover very well as well. So yeah, it, it, it's a not an easy task whatsoever. So we've got to really, really bear on it from the opening bounce.
0: Yeah, looking at their outs, so obviously they're
1: defensive wise they're missing
0: both McCartans. Um looks like Rampy will probably play. Forward they're so missing. Tom,
2: Tom might come back as well. Tom McCartan okay. has a potential he, in.
0: Right. Okay. But so um definitely Patty obviously uh, forward they're missing McDonald, and Marty and Reed and then obviously Mills and Parker through the middle of the ground and, and Laddams uh, in the ruck, which has obviously brought Hickey back into the fold for them. Still, obviously, a lot of talent when you look at Warner, Goulden, McInerney, Blakey, as we said, Hayward, Florence, um, they can obviously run through the middle. Papley's a, a match winner for them, but they are a couple down in most zones. So if we talk about Buddy, obviously, he's a star, but he'll get more responsibility without the other tools near him. Um, obviously, our, our forwards will all move up the chain in terms of one less key back to worry about. Parker usually hurts us. Mills is a very good player, so obviously not having to worry about them is good. Laddams was their first choice ruckman, so that obviously presents a chance for Marshall, who should be able to get on top of Hickey at this stage of his career. So um, with their outs, obviously that it does open the door for us a little bit, but one would anticipate Windhager for Clark and probably Owens for, for Sharman would be the changes. Can we see potential for any others?
1: Probably not. It seems about right. I mean, we're probably not needing that second Ruckman when, I mean, they've got Hickey and that's, About what they're going in with, you'd suggest, and I mean Owens will be able to, I guess, go up against whoever else they're going to throw into the mix. So you you don't really need that second, um, second ruckman. But as for who we haven't had in, they're probably the only two names I'll be looking at going. I'd almost say that that's what our backup is at the moment. There's not really too many others pushing for. Well, putting their hand up going pick me, pick me. Um but they're the obvious ones and it's not gonna be, I guess, too hard to actually do that. Um obviously Clark missing for four to six weeks or roundabout, whatever it is. And um yeah, Sharman I am not sure what he's providing us at the moment. Um it, it's hasn't it, he is made, I guess, the a good target but hasn't given us given it to us. He's taken a key defender but hasn't really um provided the key position. And yeah, I guess Max coming back sort of has taken away perhaps that focal point on him and he it just hasn't really provided I guess much up forward. So taking someone else at a different position is probably gonna be a better idea to
2: um to him. I feel like shaman he, he looked confused mm. in that Hawks game I know I know he, he bobbed up here and there with, with some moments but yeah you know, he spent the first whatever well, eight weeks of the season playing that that kind of wing role for sandy uh and and then kind of gets thrown into the the seniors as a forward um it just he he's looked confused and I I just don't know what the expectations are on him are like what is his actual role? What what are the what what are Ross and the coaching group expecting of him week in week out at the moment? Uh, because it can't be the same if you're playing a wing role in the twos, then come in and play a, a, a mid to key forward type role in in the seniors. Like that that doesn't make sense. Um, and so, what are they looking for him to do? Uh, is a really interesting question, I think, because I think we were all unsure kind of coming into you know, round six or seven where the Shaman was actually going to get a run. In, in the ones. And so um, it's, it's, Sharma's a, a really interesting one. And, and I think you're right. They're probably the two changes in, in terms of Wintager and, and Owens. I think um, we, we've missed Mitch Owens a lot in, in the last week or last couple of weeks. I think what he gives us there, there aren't many guys on the list that offer that the combination that he offers in terms of the, the size, the power, the running, the efforts, all that type of stuff. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a unicorn for us in the way that he works and the way that he presents and um, the 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 avenues that he gives us to to goal to, to scoring um, and and obviously the the different types of roles that he can play. He can play through the middle. He can play half forward. He can plays a key forward. Can be that second ruck. Um, you know, he can just about do everything. So I think we've we've missed him a lot, Um and, and so he's he's a key one. It, it does look like he's coming back. It, it sounded like from a Cal. Cal Wilkie's um, interviews today that that it sounded like he was he was going to be back. So I think that's the key one. Windhager, everyone is expecting that he's going to get a run at some stage. Um, we know that the the group's given him a bunch of things to work on. Um, is it defensive pressure? Is it running ability? To, you know, running both ways, uh, that sort of stuff. I, I think that's been mentioned um, around the, the joint. So you know whether he's done enough in the last couple of weeks to to, to win that rollback back is is the question, but Certainly from the outside looking in, it, it does look like, you know, he's he's done everything that he can do to get a, a gig, but, you know, we don't know the ins and outs of those, uh, those questions that have been asked to him, um, you know, within the, the four walls. Yeah, I'd be
0: surprised. You'd think obviously with the, the door opening up that that would be intriguing, obviously, Memory being a a fascinating watch when you factor in, uh, went out with concussion, didn't play the last game, uh, was played at VFL level, was okay, but not great by any means. Uh, Owen's obviously available on what they do on that front. We know Bitel's in the concussion protocol, so options are a bit more limited outside of the obvious with Windhager and, and Owen's. Uh, and, and in terms of what they do in, in that space, there's often a temptation to pick a second Ruckman in Sydney, given the amount of stoppages you you have. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Ross did that, but I don't think so. Um, so yeah, it'd be fascinating. And obviously, the, the Buddy 350 part, I mean, he's only kicked 10 goals in eight games this year, Buddy, so he has struggled on the course of the season, but clearly a player of enormous talent. So. We'll uh, give some final thoughts on that in a moment. Just a quick update in the AFLW. Obviously, the numbers have been handed out for some of the new recruits. Steph Giochi will wear the 17 that she wore at Collingwood, whereas Jamie Lambert will go to nine, having uh, worn 13 at Collingwood. Jess Wardlaw uh, wears 30. Natalie Plain's 32. Serena Watson uh, will go to 12, obviously, um, with the law number. And, and Beth Pinchin will take up number 24. So, more on the AFLW in coming weeks, but that's a bit of an announcement on the new recruits. couple of questions from the listeners. Um, Nomad Cram hates just asking what a par result would be for the remainder of the season from here. Is it just finals or is it winning a final,
1: assuming that finals is a bare minimum? Well, that's going to come down to probably where we finish. Um, I, mean, If we can finish fifth, sixth, get the home final, then we'd hope we win a final. If we just end up sneaking in and like finishing what, twelve and ten, which is probably what's going to take minimum to get in. Um it's it's where we go is gonna be the big question. I mean, who's gonna be there? Brisbane, or is it gonna be are we gonna end up with facing Geelong? They might only get as high as fifth sort of thing, or it's it's gonna to be tough if we're in just sneaking in. Um but where we're seeing it at the moment, you sort of think, well, where we are, we should be able to almost push to finish there as well. Um, that's kind of where we looked at it last year as well. We rate three, so look, we should be able to win at least 13, 14 games. Obviously, we didn't, but we got a much simpler draw to, or easier draw this year um, than what we had last year. Last year, we, second half of the year, we were coming up against almost the top eight time and time again. Um, this year, I think we've. So four or five, I think, out of the last um, 12 games of the top teams or something like that, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it's a it's a much better draw than what we went in with last year. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a case of we've got to win the wins, or well, the games that we're expected to win, and hopefully pick up that 13, even 14 wins and push for that home final the first week. And hopefully I know pick up that team that they just snuck in and yeah, get that win. But it's going to be the first, the next couple of weeks are probably going to be the telling as to where, how far that's
2: going to go. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit contrarian here and, and, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure the expectations are finals at all, let alone winning a final. I mean, I think, I feel like we were spoiled in the first five or six weeks of the season. I feel like it's not the last month that's kind of taken the season a little bit off the rails. I think it was the first month that kind of derailed the season in that it changed the expectations. We went in not expecting a whole lot. Maybe we could sneak a final. Maybe. But, you know, I think we were all expecting that kind of, you know, eight to... 12 range, you know, mid table. We didn't think that we were a bottom four team, but we didn't think we were a top four team. So, so where do we fit in into that, um, into that part of the ladder, I guess that middle part of the ladder and you're going, going four and zip five and zip, whatever it was five and one um, kind of change those expectations from a fan base perspective, maybe not internally, but, but from the outside looking in all of a sudden we're top of the ladder. Uh, we're playing some pretty good teams or what we think are some pretty good teams and, and we're winning, we're winning games of footy. And and I think that's kind of what derailed our expectations of, of this season. Um, A number of times we spoke during that, those first couple of months about how, you know, we would have been happy with three and three and all of a sudden we're five and one and, um, you know, laughing. Um, But, but I think that's what changed the expectations. And, you know, we say that we should, you know, we should be going playing finals and, and, you know, to win 14, we need to win, we need to go seven and five in the run home, which is certainly doable. But we just lost to Hawthorne, who just got pumped a couple of times. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know they beat West Coast, but they got pumped last week. Um, and they've been pumped a few times this season. So I think we've got to keep that in mind that maybe maybe this is closer to where we are this season. And I'm not talking about next season and the next four or five, But but maybe that performance is closer to where we are as a team in terms of what we're learning, what we're testing, what we're experimenting, all those types of things, than what we saw in the first month where we were so unpredictable, we were missing so many key players that no one really knew what we were doing, including ourselves, and that made it incredibly hard to defend. And maybe that was the outlier, and this is what we've seen over the last month is actually closer to where we're at as a team. And I think it's just worth considering that in, in our perspectives that that's kind of where we're at.
0: Yeah, and maybe looking at the the summary of the the whole parts where it's a long season where, you know, a young side that's up and down and that, you know, Lee Matthews has always made the quote that you judge a team by what their best looks like. We've shown that. We haven't sustained it every week, but it is a blueprint that the players can work off. They've had a week off now to try to rebuild that. There'll be times this year where we touch that level again. Hopefully it's for a couple of months and and obviously sees us poke into finals and and do a bit of damage in there. But there is that unpredictable element to it. Um, Clearly our best football is good enough. We've taken wins off teams that we're competing with like Essendon the Bulldogs Fremantle Gold Coast obviously we've beaten all of them that we're fighting with uh, for spots in the eight so that helps if we beat Sydney we just about put them out of business we'd be three games clear of them um and obviously, there's opportunities to do that going forward. So, yeah, I mean, the sum of all of its parts is a little bit inconsistent, but it's probably ahead of where we expected. So if we can consolidate, it is an opportunity to to play finals. But I think we're, we're certainly going to have those peaks and troughs. We're not going to win nine in a row. We're, we're not quite at that level, but it's ironing out the chinks and making yourself as consistent as you can possibly be. Um, and I think that's probably with, with Big Saint 21 and Shay talking about the drop-off in pressure. I think that's a little bit of what we were talking about, that ability to sustain, and hopefully they can get back to that level now. Tim says, or Tim Dole, Owens, Poo, Clark, Hammer, and Burns are five improvements that help propel our early season. Where do we think that may come from in the next crucial month? Bytel, Windy, D-Mac, or King will be... One obviously being available. Uh, hopefully Windhager, who was on track to be that player, but uh, injuries obviously stopped that in the preseason, and hopefully now he's back. But uh, Bob Khan asking about Windhager and he was working on it. I know, Nick, you, you spoke about that in depth before. Um, Joshua Hearn asking if we have any fullback options besides Dougal. Not Really, I guess at the moment. So I know James Van well, Most Benet- clubs don't, to be fair, those no.
2: clubs don't have a secondary fullback. Oh, it's so probably been I mean,
0: Highmore's much, yeah, Highmore's much smaller. Highmore's built a bit like Wilkie. Um, so he's a bit like Wilkie in battles, whereas Howard's obviously a bit bigger. Howard's got an important role this week. He'll probably be the one that plays on, buddy. Um, at VFL level, look, Oscar Adams is going okay. James Van s is going okay, but a 1st tip yeah, player. He's a yeah. beast of a
2: man, though, James Yeah, Van he he's, is. Uh, he's a man mountain, but he's clearly not ready.
0: Yeah, okay. they're not going to play AFL just yet but um, yeah it's look it's Dougal at the moment and hopefully he can turn that around clearly he's been a source of frustration Um, Dark Tracker I think alluding to but it's not switching the ball at pace, uh, alluding to the fact that um, clearly we're not taking the risks that we took earlier in the year. And I think there's an element of that. Um, And a couple more. Greg asks H, after seeing half a season, pick your best six forwards regardless of injury. It's a good question because obviously players like memory in memory out. um, Where does it sit?
1: Well, you'd probably, I mean, King, obviously straight in. Do you probably, I'd put, Maybe Owens in that because that that's it's probably more where he sits in the team. Um then you got two smalls, you got Higgins and Butler. Um on the other sides. I mean Kabanidi obviously has to go in. Um and the sixth. Oh um tough one. Maybe Oh, I don't know. Throw your name out there for me. Who who would be the Six best, you think, Um Filippo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he'd probably be named in the forward six when he. So, yeah, that, that Gresham, maybe. Yeah, I'm, I can't fit him in at the moment. I'm still still struggling to get him mm, in there at the run. moment. He's he's probably he'd start on a bench a bench if anything. So, but that that's probably your best, I guess, six at the start of the year. Um, if that's the positions you're going to play him in, I guess.
0: Uh, and probably a segue there, Nick, into the question from AT Saints fan as to what the blend is for, for Mitch, ideally, between forward ruck midfield, you know, centre bounce time. Um, obviously, mm. as a ruckman, you probably only want him to do a very little bit of that, but um, what the
2: ideal mix is. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think from from a, a ruck perspective, you probably only want him in there maybe 5%, 10% each quarter, Max, I mean, you want Rowan Marshall. He's he's one of your prime movers in the middle of the ground. We know how strong he is around the contest, even if he's not winning the 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 rut contest. Um, which you, I personally, I want to see him do more of. I want to see him winning more ruck contests and, and he has to advantage and all that type of stuff. But we know how strong he is at ground level and and you're know, beating guys around the ground. So you want him in the middle. Um, Mitch, I think is really good as that impact player in, in that role, and he can kind of jump over guys and run through them for one or two contests you know, a quarter. Um, but you don't want him doing that too much. I think there is an, an injury risk as well, having having guys like him uh, in the ruck too much. Um, clearly, the the role that, that has been carved out for him this season has been as a semi-key forward. Um, and, and I think that that's the role, depending on where they feel Tim Embry is, I feel like that's where he's going to get the majority of game time right now because... Membry is struggling. Um, I think if you go on on pure uh, performances this season, Kaminiti's got to be ahead of Tim Membry for that second key forward role. And and I think that there is the I think there is a potential for King Kaminidi and memory King Kameniti, Owens, et cetera, to play in the same team. But right now, is not offering a hell of a lot. And I think that he's now at that point where he has to prove himself in the twos. Um, and so Owens kind of gets that third uh, mid-size forward type role. And then, you know, you want him you want him moving towards the midfield. I think that's where they've earmarked him in future. You want Owens and Windhager and these guys in the middle of the ground, impacting contest after contest. Um continually and, and getting that continuity of, of ground ball and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so you imagine that that they want him rolling through the midfield, but I think it's going to depend on on where Membry is and, and what other options they can get forward of centre uh, because he's been too valuable not to play him there at this point. So it, it is going to be an interesting watch over the second half of this season to see kind of how that split ends up. And maybe to that earlier question for that, the ace in the pack or the
0: improvement, maybe Tim Memory is that that left field option? I mean, 260 goals, 150 games, been a very good player for our club, 28 years of age, still hopefully some some life left in him. Maybe he's the one that just pushes his way back into the side, helps our structure, gets back to what he does best and, and helps us improve. And look, that may happen when the sides are named Wednesday night. Uh, for the the clash with Sydney, but uh, we'll wrap things up there. It is the Swans on a Thursday night. Hopefully it doesn't ruin the, the back end of the week. Hopefully we're back on track after the bye at eight and four which would be a terrific position to be. We can see off another challenger, right some of the wrongs and start moving in the right direction. It's going to be a fascinating watch that the next fortnight is absolutely huge for us. But thanks for jumping on board once again. Thank you to James Gwilt and we'll catch you again next week, hopefully reflecting on a rare win in Sydney.